Welcome to the intersection of theater and even more theater. You have achieved stage grok. Stage Grok, the roaming theater podcast coming to you from the geographic center of the American theater. I'm your host, Scott Miller. Today I'm talking with musical theater composer and lyricist Bobby Cronin from his home in New York. Okay, well, thanks for talking to me today. Uh, the main reason I wanted to talk to you is when we think about musical theater writers, we think of Sondheim, Kandernev, Bill Finn, Tom Kitt. Yeah. But most of the musical theater writers aren't those guys. Um, and since you're uh, one of the others, I want to talk to you about kind of about what that is, what, what it is to be a musical theater writer and what it is to kind of struggle through all the barriers we put in front of you. So, yeah. so we'll start with you've written um, quite a number of shows. You've gotten I have. awards, workshops, some productions. Yeah. Um, and I have a how... production coming up that I can't tell you about. Well, <laughs> well we'll find out soon. Uh, so talk, talk about how you became a musical theater writer, you know, why, yeah, why, sure. why do you want to do this? Yeah. Well, I actually, um, uh, have always been writing. Um, my mom says from the time I could speak, I was singing and I would write plays and musicals and put them on in my backyard. And, um, I just always, like music was always a huge part of my personal life. Now it's interesting. I'm from this large Irish Catholic family where, music was looked down upon. Um, so I kind of would have to do a lot of my stuff in secret. Wow. Um, so, I, like, I've never had piano lessons. We just, A, we couldn't afford them. Right. B, my, my dad wouldn't have spent the money on it. So I was one of those kids that when I'm told, or I'm still this way as an adult, when I'm told no, I go, but I want to, so I'm going to figure out how to do it. Right. So I went to the library and I got out books. And one of my best friends had a had two pianos in his house, and I would often go to his house and, and look at the books that I got out and would learn chord structure and kind of like teaching myself music theory. And, oh, nice. yeah, and would get like picture books of where your fingers go. Right. And what those chords were called. And I'm very math-minded, so it made a lot of sense to me because it is very much math. Um, yeah. Music theory, but yeah. because I came to it later, everything um, was by my ear. Like I would hear a song, right. and then I would. Um, so my family were very uh, big sports people. So I'm the youngest, and often when my brothers would have a game or something, I would say, "Oh, I have too much homework, so I'm going to stay home." And I knew I would have an hour and twenty minutes <laughs> to sit at the <laughs> piano that we had. So my great grandmother left it to my mother. And so I would sit at the piano, and I knew I had just an hour and 20 minutes to play. And I would, you know, I've always heard music in my head, and so I would try to figure out what I was hearing, and then I would look at sheet music and try to figure out, like, I remember trying to teach myself Hello, Dolly, from Hello, Dolly. Nice. Because it was in the sheet music that my mom had in the, the bench. 
Right. So, so, so you were teaching yourself to read music as well. I was teaching myself to read music and to write and to take what I heard on the radio and what how to get my fingers to do that. Yeah, yeah. Now fast forward to college. So I always, oh, by the way, I, I always wrote songs. Always. If something good happened, I would write a song. If something bad happened, I would write a song. I just, right. But I never shared them with anybody. They were all right. very private. Right. So, um, and in a way, like a way to deal with things. I knew I was different. Right. I knew, uh, you know, one of my friends in high school died. So it was just a, a way to express what I was feeling inside. In an Irish Catholic family where you don't talk about anything. <laughs> so, now, now, do you ever look back at those early songs? No. No. I actually haven't. No, that's so. Because I, I, I have a couple of times I've, I've found songs that I wrote in high school or whatever, and you know they're not great, but I'm always like, okay, there's something here. <laughs> yeah, no, mine were pretty bad, <laughs> because mostly because I didn't have um, any training yet. Right. And um, so, so you, so you, I, I, if if it's like my experience, before you get the training, you have a really limited vocabulary. Yes. I did, but I, I also, um, but because I was teaching myself from books as well, like I was having right. nobody, at least a lot of songwriters today had piano lessons for 20 years, you know what I mean, yeah. or they or were always writing that way, where yeah. they will take pieces of what they're learning from, you know, Bach or Beethoven and take that chord structure and turn it into right. some, something. Yeah. I was doing what I was hearing on the radio. Which is good, because that's now sure. musical theater language. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so then fast forward to college. And um, I started pre-med, but one of the re- I went to Yale, and one of the reasons I chose Yale was for their, their theater program. Yeah. And just, I loved the energy. I was a hockey player. I was recruited, so I was playing hockey. I was also in a singing group. Um, I was the first white guy ever in my singing group in college, and it really... Again, Irish Catholic boy. I'm one of those people that I believe everything happens for a reason. And I believe that I was meant to get into that singing group because I grew up in this, like, pretty racist family. Only because they, no one ever left Boston. Right. right. They, they, they all went to college there. No one left. Right. Um, and I go to this, you know, in, this Ivy League school where the rule is you, you can't say anything about anybody. Right. If you do, you'll get expelled. So I learned pretty quickly, shut your mouth. Keep your opinions to yourself. And it's stuff that I was like, oh, I think my parents actually taught me this. <laughs> like I was <laughs> but But, you know, in the Boston world, it's just, it, especially back in the 80s, um, it was a pretty racist place. And I would just, I would say that most racist to me, most racism is ignorance. I just didn't yeah. know enough. Right. Right. And suddenly, I'm this white guy in the singing group where we're singing gospel music and black R&B and um, uh, uh, we did the, the Mexican national anthem. Like, we did a lot of, like, just various cultures of, of sounds. And it, and so your musical vocabulary is exploding yeah. open. Exploding, because I'd be like, wait, what is this chord structure? What is this? Right. And it was during my time with my singing group that I started writing songs for people to hear. Right. And so I'd write them for a cappella. Um, and I would write them on piano, but I was taking, even though I was pre-med, I was taking a lot of music classes because I could choose what I took. Yeah, yeah. So suddenly I'm 
ensconced in music theory, like real music theory with a teacher teaching it and and listening to songs and being able to and this is where I guess I'm lucky because of all everything that I did was by ear when I was a kid. Um, Yale's program and the music program, it's a four year program where every semester you have a certain thing that you have to learn to be able to do with your ear. And the first year is um, by the end of the semester, first semester, you have to do a melody, melody line. If someone plays a melody line, you have to be able to write it out. Okay. Second year becomes we add a harmony to it. Third year is that it's three parts. And for fourth year, it's you have to be able to take someone playing a piano piece and be able to notate it uh-huh. by following chord it's patterns. so hard. <laughs> it's so hard, but you know what? I did so well in it. Because part of it was the math. Because it always just made sense of it has to go there. That's the answer. It has to go there. Unless, you know, they do this incredibly wrong thing that sounds so hot, but you know, right. oh, that's different. Right. That's not what it's supposed right. to be. Right. So I think my, again, everything happens for a reason. I think I was meant to learn it in reverse. Because I would say as a songwriter, something that people say about my work is that I write very memorable tunes. Right. And so that to me is ear. I'm using my ear. Yeah, I want people yeah. to, to remember this melodic line. Which is why you could so easily hear those harmonies under the melody. Absolutely. Because I had the exact opposite experience. I started piano when I was four, and Uh I never really learned to play by ear because I could make music really early. And so when I got to that place in college, it was hard for me to hear inside of chords because I just wasn't used to listening in that way. Sure. I also do think being in an a cappella group helped me hear because I also became the musical director of the a cappella group. Right. And so I would be teaching the parts and making you know, yeah. sure the blend was right. So I've always been a very ear-driven writer. And I tend to go for pieces that need a specific sound. Um, in in terms of, of hero. style or not necessarily? Yes. Yeah. But right. I've, I, I like all of my shows to sound unique to that piece. Right. With having a sound. I know I have a sound. And I'm... Right. In other words, a sound that is Bobby. Yes, that people will hear it. Like I just did this thing for Jordan Ross, right? Um, that ended up in the New York Times. And I had a bunch of people text me. Um, I wrote a song, a tune for these hilarious lyrics for this thing that he did. I don't know if you saw it, um, about Donald Trump. And right. Billy Porter uh, was who I was writing the song for. Ugh. So... Um, and it was really great because it was like a short deadline thing. I love stuff like that. Yeah. And so um, I wrote this this tune that now that it's out in the public, um, I've had people contact me saying, did you write that that sounds like you? And I would say, nice. yes, nice. I did indeed write that because it it does sound like me. But, but you um, know what's, what's cool about that? All our, I mean, at least in my opinion, all our greatest musical theater writers have exactly what you're talking about. There, mm-hmm. there is a sound that is Sondheim, but there's also a sound that is passion and a sound yep. that is Sweeney Todd. Exactly. And those are both yeah. things are really important. Yes, I agree. Very much so. Very much so. Um, so I know I'm talking way too much, but so then yeah. after college, uh, so all during college I was writing. After college, um, I decided to not do graduate school. I just really wanted to get to New York. My advisor... So I ended up graduating with um, a double major in theater and music theory and composition. And I studied directing in theater. So the first, the first like 10 to 
12 years of my career were as a director. I started my own production company in the city. Um, I was the associate artistic director of Northern Stage in Vermont, great equity theaters, does wonderful work. And it was while I was at Northern Stage um, that I got asked by them to adapt a Christmas carol into a stage production. To which, of course, I was like, a musical? And they were like, no, I just put some songs in there. And I was like, no, I didn't write a musical. Uh, never having written one before. And this is going to blow your mind, but my co-writer and I wrote that piece in four months. Four months. Oh, wow. That's fast. Into, I know. It was insane. Into production. Full, you know, wow. major budget. And it, and it was... To this day, one of the most beautiful experiences of my career. It's why I decided to stop directing. Because I only wrote, like I did the vocal arrangements. Like I took, we decided to do like this, because I know I'm contemporary. So we decided to do this idea where the, the show starts today. And these kids, as punishment for being with bad kids, have to read A Christmas Carol. <laughs> and they they get sort of like, they become the kids in the family. Of, right. So it it has a contemporary sound to it. But I I wrote the lyrics. I did the adaptation of the book. I did the vocal arrangements, co-wrote some of the music, and directed and choreographed it. It was the hardest thing I've ever done, and it yeah. was one of the most fulfilling things I've ever done. The show has since been done at many, 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 many theaters across the country. Now, did really you cool. ever... After that first production, did you ever go back yep. and tweak anything, or you just yes. feel good about it? Oh, no, we, we, we tweaked, yep. Um, even during the run, like yeah. I think the day before we opened, I was like, no, that scene needs to be a song. Let's go write this. Yeah. But I loved, like, I loved that aspect of it. Right, I, yeah. I love fun. a deadline. I love pressure. That, but also that, that process stuff. of how do we make this a little better, yeah. a little clearer, a little oh, funnier. Yeah. And what needs to sing and what doesn't. That's the the cool thing. So um, I then from that. Uh, so, but but I also got to say the fact that you were director. Uh, my personal experience is that the directing really does inform the writing, and that you'll oh God, you'll write a show that's better stageable because you were a director. Absolutely, and that. So I ended up with my production company right after this, doing this. Uh, I, I did this new production of Personals in New York City that I got permission to rewrite the script and make it more modern. Mm-hmm. And I worked with Charlie Alterman um, on the music and making it more contemporary right. and getting it out of the newspaper age and putting it into the computer age. Now, now how, how, how old is that show? Personals was done in the 80s. Okay. And this would have been early 2000s. Okay. And Stephen... Schwartz and Alan Menken came to see it. Oh, wow. Because they have a couple songs in it. Um, And at intermission, they took me aside and they were like, who are you? How did you fix this show? This show was a piece, I don't don't want to say what they said, but they were like, we don't even recognize this. I can't, who are you? How can we help you? They were so nice and so kind and so helpful. I went and had uh, dinner with Stephen the next day and, you know, he said to me, you know you're a writer, right? And I was like, no, no, I'm a director. And he said, no, Bobby, let me tell you something. I went to school to be a director. So I'm telling you. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he said, 
I always use that part of my brain when I'm writing. Is the scene yeah. active? Can this yeah. be staged? I mean, yeah. I'm telling you, you're a writer. Now go use that director head and go write you know, something. I remember reading an interview a while back with Sondheim, and he was saying that when he writes a song, he always stages it in his head. Yeah. And that it rarely is that way in the production, but it, but he knows it can be staged. Yes. Yep. Yep. Because I know as a director, there are times with some of the older shows where I would that I'd be directing at some theater, and I'd be like, oh, my God, I don't know what to do with this song. It's so right. passive. It's so right. passive. Right. right, and it doesn't need to be there, and what do we do? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I think, you know, taking Stephen's advice, I did start writing. Um, I took, like, two years away from the, like, entertainment scene because I wanted to come back and reinvent myself as a writer. Right. And I went away to Chicago and Boston for a year each to... First of all, to help with my dad, who was sick, um, but it gave me an opportunity to say, I'm going to take this time to write something so that when I move back to New York, I have something to show. Right. My partner at the time got cast in Wicked in Chicago, so we moved to Chicago, which was one of the best things that could have happened because I was surrounded by these incredibly talented artists that only had a show a day to do most of the days. So they were looking for something else to do. And they said, oh, right. are you writing anything? And I said, yes, why? They're like, we'd love to help you. And it became almost once a week, sometimes twice a week, they would come over and they would sing through stuff. And oh, my God. They, were, they inspired me to, like, you should actually make this a show, like, really go for it. And they would Oh, my God, that. that's no, seriously valuable. It, is the, it was the best thing possible wow. because I was so new at it. Right. Um. And, and the people who are doing it were people at the top of their game. Exactly. And I know that I write for singers. That's something because I could sing. Yeah. Like I love I love opera. I love rock music. And I think that those are are mediums that the, the voice you want to give is its full potential. Yeah. You want to have people go, they can't go higher than that. Oh my god, they went higher than that. Yeah. And you feel yeah. that emotional value within you. Right. Um so I was able to have these incredible singers I could sing my material like it was easy. Right. And that was exciting. Yeah. That was yeah. very exciting. Now, I will say it's been challenging sometimes since that when I get videos of people that have sung some of my stuff and people don't know who I am and they hear that, they think that that's what I've written. Does that make yeah. sense? You know what I mean? And that, that becomes tough. Yeah. Like, yeah. I've just sung Dear Daddy, which helps with the iCar. But, um, and, uh, you know, I would get videos all the time, and they're so beautiful from little girls that have lost their dad. Because that's what the song is oh, about. Wow. And, um, but you know, most of them couldn't sing it extremely well because right, it's right. a very, very, very hard, high song written right. for a voice like Casey Levy, right? Where right. that high stuff doesn't sound extremely high, right? Right. You know, it's not, she's not screaming at us. Well, so, 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 so let me let me mm-hmm. switch topics for a second. Sure. So, so first of all. Normally, how long does it take you to write a show? Ooh, it's a good question. Or, or does it vary a lot? It, I'm, I'm very much a deadline person. Okay. So I, what, who, I have like usually three different collaborators that I work with. And um, one of them is Crystal Skillman. And so our project called Mary and Mac, which is based on a, an Australian claymation film. Oh, right, right. Yeah. We have been at work on that. It's a beautiful film.
film. Oh my God, I saw it. I was crying. I texted my agent. I want this. <laughs> and it's just from the second that movie entered my life, I knew that this was all meant to be. Yeah. Um, which is actually the point of that film, anyway, that nothing is an accident. So, so let me let me ask you a little side yeah. question. Yeah, sure. Um, a lot of times, young people say to me, how do you know if this story will make a good musical? Mm. And for the longest time, I wasn't sure what the answer was. Yeah. But I've decided, because music is primarily an emotional language, yes. the answer has to be the more emotional a story is, the better a musical it makes. Do you agree? That's true. Yeah. I do agree with that. Because that um, certainly sounds like Max and Mary. Yeah, Mary Max has... The the film has such a score because it's narrated. So almost almost the entirety of that film has music. And so, in fact, when I pitched this idea to the writer, director, producer, create, like he's all of it. So then he had a producer as well, um, named Adam Elliott, wonderful man. Um, very complex, and I love that. But when I pitched this to him, he said, you know, I have to tell you, I get requests for the rights every week. You're the first person to request it for a musical. And he said, and it made me stop and think. And he said, Bobby, I actually chose the music first and then wrote the piece. Wow. Oh, neat. That's neat. Yeah. And he said, so you know what? I did write a musical. It is a musical. And I want you to do it. I've listened to your stuff. I love your sound. I think you're the guy for this. So that... And and part of what made him agree to it was the other work you've done. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Because he visited my website. I also had to send him um, some stuff that's not, you know, I just have a few things on my website, but just some other things. I also score films um, and do like web series stuff. So I just sent him a bunch of different, you know, because that's a show. One of the things that attracted me to it was that I knew that the score would have many um, layers, but also many sounds. To it because it's right. two people's worlds, right. and also within it, it's a lot of fantasy. So I just knew that I could I could challenge my chops a lot, and I just I was so connected. I saw the film when my father was dying. Like it's just it's really a big part of me, which is why I knew right. it would sing. I knew it would sing. Right. Um, well, so, so so circling back, yeah. How long how long does it take you to write a show? So this piece has been in true development for three and a half years. So, so actively working on it for that period. Correct. Yes. Okay. And it now, was, was like, there a was there a percolating period before that? Well, the you percolating period was the percolating period was where I had to wait to get approved for the right. Oh, right. Okay. Right. I couldn't. I didn't. I wouldn't do this to myself. I wouldn't start writing it and then be told right, right, because it would be like you know, there's nothing worse than an untold story within yeah. you, right? It's not right. close. So <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't say that this is mine until right. we got uh, right. approval. And then I, before I even started writing, I gathered a team, um, including a director, because I knew that this would be a very visual piece. And I had interviewed. Um, Stafford Arima for another project of mine, and we just clicked. And his he is kind and Who's gentle. Who's done a, a number of shows off Broadway yep. and I and Broadway. Some on Broadway too. Yeah. Yep. He did Allegiance from Broadway this past oh, right, right. season, and um, he's the new. And he's done a few musicals. Yes, he did Carrie. He did Bear. He uh, got an Olivier. I want to say he did Alter Boys. 
He did Alter Boys, yep. Yeah. And he did the the big ragtime hit in London. He directed, and it was like the stripped down version. That's what Stafford does so well storytelling. He doesn't need uh, he doesn't need stuff around right necessarily right. for storytelling. So I knew that he would be the guy for this because one of the things about taking claymation and putting it on stage is I really wanted it to feel like you're watching something unique, not that yeah. you're watching realism. Right. Because that's what really captured the film for me and the, the beauty of the loneliness and the sadness within the characters and the confusion within the characters. Um, so so um, I knew that, that I would want a lot of visual stuff to... Right to aid in the music because I felt that the music would be like, I always talk about it as the music is the canvas of this show and the storytelling goes on top of it. It's the paint. So the visual storytelling is like the paint on top of that canvas. And we just, uh, so what was great is that I had someone um, who liked my work, who knew that I had a passion for this show. And I asked, uh, it's someone that's involved in theater as a, a producer and an investor and explained that I wanted to work on this project. And in doing so, I wanted to go back to the idea of what happened with my first piece, which is I want to work with actors from the beginning. Right. So I assembled the book writer, the director, and a musical director. And we immediately... I asked for an assignment, and that was to write three songs. After those three songs were written, we got some people into a room. And the investor helped me that every time that we get people in a the room, they get paid. Because right. I think that everyone should get paid. I never got paid, but they were doing it for me. And so I wanted to make sure well, that those, everyone felt a value. Those, those actors, they need to get paid. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I'm, I was, I'm grateful that I had someone that understood that. Um, and so then it was an opportunity by an organization called Broadway Dreams Foundation. Broadway Dreams Foundation did an eight-minute fully staged um, snippet from the show in this big showcase that they do. And I must say, it was so beautifully staged. It was staged by this really cool company called um, Atchison Walsh. They do a lot of uh, visual stuff on Broadway, like the dinosaur in on the town, they did Warhorse. Oh. They did that. They were the puppet oh. Warhorse. So right. their visual storytelling. And Stafford was out of town for this. So these guys came in. This audience of 600 people see this thing, and people went nuts over it. And I knew that I was onto something. Yeah, because it was so different. It's so unique. Well, now, so it, are 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 you still working on this? Well, so through Broadway Dreams, we then got the following year, a big reading at the Alliance. Nice. From that reading at the Alliance, at intermission, we got an offer. Not from them, but from someone else that was there. And that's what I can't tell you. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> I just can't tell you who it is. Right, right. For two more weeks. Yeah. And then it's just the contrast thing. So, okay, um, well, so, so let, me, let me go back to process now. Yeah. So you finish your show. Well, when it's finished. Okay. Well, <laughs> well, I guess what I'm asking is, what is the next step? So, yeah, well, how, so how I, do you, how do you I think, find a workshop, production, yeah. contest, etc.? Yeah, so what I did was uh, we did submit to a bunch of things. We did get a lot of nice opportunities. Yes, and we won, like, the, the most recent thing is we won the Pace New Musicals thing. 
and we got a three-week workshop with 10 of the most talented students I've ever had the pleasure of being with. Oh, that's awesome. And it was our first time seeing the show on its feet because we'd only done 29-hour readings. So that's what we did in our development. We were to set a goal of we're going to do this reading. We only did one open reading. Okay. Open meaning open to outsiders. Yeah. Otherwise, it was for our agents or some close friends. Um, because for you guys to get yeah, it was a for sense us of what to you develop. had. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And for us to see the holes. Right. You know, I, I get very frustrated that awards are given to musicals based on what it looks like on paper. And I just yeah. don't think that's what a musical is. A musical right. is watched. It's, it's not theater seen. on the page. I agree. And it frustrates me. And it might be because I'm upset that I haven't won some of those things that I feel like I deserve. But, um, but I actually was told by Stephen Flaherty, um, I won this thing at the York a few years ago, and he was my mentor for the year. And oh, nice. he came to a rehearsal, and he watched me work with actors. Right. And then he saw the songs. And right. he, when he introduced me that night, he said, you know, today was a reminder for me that what's on the page is not always what you see. Right. And that, and that Bobby is one of those writers that it's not on the page, it's up there. Watch this. Yeah. And I finished. The, I did four songs, and people were like, holy crap. People that had actually read some of my stuff instead of seen it. Because right. I write from a director's point of view. Is this right. active? Right. And yeah. I don't, in my, um, I don't like bury things with stage directions. Yeah. You know, so the storytelling is oftentimes, I'm told by collaborators, Bobby, it's in your head. You have to let us know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, you know, when, I'm, when people submit shows to us and, and, I'm, yeah. and I'm reading them, you can get a good idea of what it's like. Mm-hmm. You don't really know. Right. I mean, especially with a musical. I think it's true of a play, but it's incredibly true for a musical. It really is a different animal when it comes to life. There's so many well, elements to it. Like, have you ever read Fun Home? <laughs> it's a nice read. But what you saw on stage and how it kicked you in the face, you can't get that from reading it. You just can't. Yeah. Well, the, I think the number of shows that, that, as, a, as, a, as a collaborative process, I think a director's vision is so important. It helps guide the writing. The writing helps guide the vision. I think it's, you know, it's a give and take, and having a great team is so important. Yeah, it, it, that, that's so true, though, the team. Yeah. The, even if you're writing book music and lyrics, which a lot of people do, you yeah. still need other points of view around Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Otherwise, you're just a one-man band, and nobody yeah. can be a one-man band. Well, and then you only have one point of view, too. Right. And you have no one to challenge you. You have no one to ask you questions. You have no one to say, oh, we can accomplish that by doing this one simple thing. Great. Cut five pages. Go. Right? So it, you know, there's a moment in Mary and Max um, that where the moon sings this, um, this ballad. I just have this idea that when Max gets so upset, so hurt by Mary... He can't verbalize it, so he can't right. sing it. Right. So I wanted uh, the moon characters quite prominent in our our piece. So I wanted the moon to be singing Max's feelings. Yeah. Um, okay. And uh, I don't know why I started talking about that. <laughs> I don't know, but it's a really good example of of how you have to change a story when you adapt it from one medium to another. Oh, absolutely. You know, and there are a lot of shows that have opened on Broadway that were adapted to movies, and they really took the screenplay and stuck songs in them, and it yeah, doesn't work. I know. It doesn't work. No, we have to come up with 
you know, the film doesn't really have an I want in it. Right. And so that's something that we sat together as a team, and, and, and Crystal and I just went back and forth of, you know, what would be the most compelling way to look at this? Well, what if this is the story of a little girl who is trying to go visit this man her entire life? Wow. Which is just not in the film at all. Right, right. And that's what we chose, and it, it, really, it helps the stakes tremendously. Yeah. Tremendously. And I don't want to give away the ending, but you've seen the film. Yeah. And it's just such a... We, so we've done three, like I said, three public things for the show. The last thing that we did was at Pace. Before we did our first 29-hour reading in New York City, and before that it was at the Alliance. And when every time that it's been done, we've had people run out of the theater at the end of the show. Like over-emotional. Over yes. That they didn't yeah. want people. My favorite is like yeah. the grown, the grown men right. that right. run out because they don't want their either their kids or their wife to see them cry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, that's it's the best theater, a, man. It's such a beautiful feeling as a writer because yeah. that was my goal. Because that's what happened to me when I saw the film, and I wanted people to have that same feeling that I had at the end. Of the, I'm not kidding. I was on the floor crying at the end of that movie. And a movie that I laughed a lot through, right. and cried at times, and and I just I just felt it sang. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, well, glad you know, it's I'm proving right. I'm fond of saying that musicals aren't always supposed to make you feel happy; they're supposed to make you feel deeply. Yes, right. And now we've imbued the end with um, hope. Right. It's definitely way more hopeful than the film, yeah. but. Um, and people have questioned us. Does it have to be that sad at the end? Right, right. And Crystal and I, we just say yes. <laughs> it yeah, does. Right. right. Because that's, that's the thing. People then stand up and start crying to their friends and saying, oh, my God, I'm so glad you're my friend. Thank you for being my friend. <laughs> right. You hear, it. you hear people saying it. And it's really great. So we're excited for our production that is happening this fall. It's going to be a beautiful production. Our design team is incredible. I'm I'm over the moon. <laughs> but literally, thank you. Yeah. Well, so so how many how many projects do you have right now in process? <laughs> do, do, like, are you somebody who works on three or four or five things at a time? Or yes, yeah, yeah. So I'm that would drive me crazy. <laughs> I'm working on five projects at once. Oh my god. Yeah, I got a so new five. So five that are in process and one yes. another. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm and why? Back, why, why do you yeah. like that? I like it because it helps me define the sound. I really do. And so, do all five of them have five unique sounds yep. to them? Yes. Mary and Max is um, like a magical, very contemporary musical theater living in a bit of the pop world. Okay. Uh, this other project that's. Southern Gospel Country. Nice. I have another project that's rock. It's a rock show. Nice. Uh, teenagers, like angsty rock. Right. Um, <laughs> I have, um, I'm writing the music only. Right. First time doing this for a musical. I do a lot in uh, film stuff. Right. It's my first time doing just music for a show. But what's cool about it is the show was um, initiated by me. The idea. Oh, so and, and, and it's a musical. It's a musical, yeah. So uh, Christine Joy Johnson is writing the book and the lyrics, and I'm writing oh, nice. the score.
before, and we finish. The show is done. And I'm air quoting, you can't see. And that's very folk sound. Like, I learned guitar for it. Nice. Did, and learned is also air quotes. <laughs> is it hard for you to not do lyrics? Um, no. Okay. No. No. Do, do you still, do you does still discuss lyrics to some, some, yes. to some extent? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Which you I would mean, anyway. If, yeah. And she's so easy to, to work with. She's so great. Um, but one of the, you know, the, I was very clear with what sound I wanted for the show. So we had, did a lot of talking about the, the world of the show before she went into writing. Yeah. Uh, we did two writing residencies at the O'Neill, um, which was so wonderful. The second time we got some actors and we were able to hear it out loud. Nice. And we've been doing table readings here, and we're now about ready to start letting people. We're going to do our first public thing. Um, either in April or August, depending on... Christine is also an actor, and she happens right. to be yeah. filming a television show that I can't tell you what it's called, because I <laughs> do not talk about it, papers. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, um, so that has its own sound, and I just, so I, I, I think writing a, a lot of things at once helps me go, no, that chord structure is in that other show. Right. Never in the show do I need that chord structure. Never yeah, in the yeah. show do I need a glyph. Wrong show. That like but, that type of stuff. But what what must be nice is you find some piece of really nice music and maybe it doesn't fit this, but you really love it. You're oh like, God, hey, totally. it fits over here. Absolutely. Let me just change the feel a little bit. Oh my God, that melody. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And some songs that have been cut from one show do end up have ended up in another. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then I'm also the newest piece, uh, two new pieces I'm working on. One is a commission for a class act, New York, which is a children's theater company. Cool. Um, sort of like um, uh, Theater Works. Okay. And they commissioned me to write their first original musical. Nice. And I have chosen to write about children with psychic abilities. Using cool. it as a metaphor, as a metaphor for um, being not being afraid of the power that's inside of you. Nice. And it's okay to be different. I tend to write I love to be that. different. That's cool. <laughs> and um, then Crystal Skillman and I are working on a piece for Allie Stroker. I don't know if you know who Allie is. She was in the Spring Awakening revival. Oh, cool. uh, she is, I hate saying it this way, but she was the girl in the wheelchair. She is the girl in the wheelchair. Right. She was on Glee. Um, and oh, yeah. I was her teacher at NYU, and I always just, just thought that she was so talented and so special and unique. And Crystal and I had been talking about this idea for a show, and we thought, oh, maybe Allie, maybe this could be right for Allie. We pitched it to so, Allie. So this, so this actor uses a wheelchair in real life, too, right? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. And you're, ah, that's so neat. Yeah. Are, are you, you, are you writing a show where that character specifically does use a wheelchair? Yes. Nice. But it's not about her right. in a wheelchair. Right, right. Now, that's the wheelchair will, will, will have, you know, there'll be some obstacles, just yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. I can't see super far, so if I, if I were writing a character like me, right. I wouldn't be able to see that far. Right. But it's not about her being in a wheelchair. Right. Which is um, cool. Yeah. 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 And it's great because that came a lot from her because we had this initial idea. And she was like, hmm, that's a really cool idea, but is there any way it could not be about me in a wheelchair? And that's <laughs> what I – we looked at each other and went, oh, my God, we we didn't even think to – think that way. Right. And we got a little mad at ourselves 
for going to like a bit of a stereotype land. Yeah. But it, it kind of fueled us in a good way to go, awesome. This is what this needs to be. We need to, yeah. you know, let people understand. When Allie goes, walks down the street, you know, is it going down the street? It's Allie. Yeah. She's not a girl in a wheelchair. That's why right. I said I hate saying right. this. That that's not as good as everyone would know who she is. Right. Um, but she's, you know, a driven and determined woman, and we want to put that into the script instead yeah. of her being, you know, shy and embarrassed and all. Right. You know, it's something I've always liked about her. She's feisty. Yeah. And, um, and has this voice that she shouldn't have. Because <laughs> the diaphragm isn't as strong as everyone else. Oh, but right. Her voice right, is right. like spectacular. Yeah. And it's got warmth and color and and yeah. so yeah, so we're writing this piece, it's about three writers that all end up whether they know it or not writing a story together. One's a poet, one's a romance novelist, and one's an action writer. Me. And they end up together writing a piece that's in like the Game of Thrones world. Where they all their whatever is happening in their real life gets put into that story. That's fabulous. Okay, yeah, so like so, her character so, rides a chariot. So let me let me ask you one last question. Yes. So first of all, you seem to me to be ridiculously, insanely connected all over the world. I'm not sure how much <laughs> that's true, but you seem to be more connected than anybody I've ever known. <clears throat> but so kind of connected to that mm-hmm. for the 17-year-old kid out there who wants to write musicals and mm-hmm. says, you know what, I think I'm going to move to New York and be in the heart of it. What, yeah. what, what advice do you give them? Study. Learn. Study theater, music, everything. Yes. Know, know the history. Know, yeah. know all of the art. Like, it's, it's, I, I teach as well. Like, that's one of, a passion of mine. I teach at college, acting, um, musical theater. And it's the thing that I say more than anything else. You have to know the shows. Yeah. How can you write something if you don't know the medium that it's from? How do you, I, mean, it's, I just think it's impossible. And a so lot of young know, people, actors and writers, don't know the older shows. They don't know the older shows, and you need yeah. to. Yeah, and we learn from them. the evolution and yeah. why we've ended up where we are. How do yeah. we actually still use where we started? Right. And, you know, things like that. And um, so I would say know the shows and don't be afraid of having your own point of view. Yeah. You don't have to sound like everybody else. You don't have to write songs like everybody else. Write what you hear. Yeah. And look, it might take a little bit longer for someone to be like, wow, I like that sound. Because right now I think everyone is into the sound that sounds like Patrick and Paul. I love Patrick and Paul. They're great people. <laughs> but we already have them. Yeah. So why do we need eight more shows that sound like that? We don't. Well, we, we get a lot of submissions that sound like Jason Robert Brown. Of course. Well, it's because he's a, he started it, in, and yeah. I'm blaming him and, in a, and loving him for it, because he's who inspired me more than anybody else. Yeah. His storytelling, that's masterful. Oh, my God. He's a master yeah. at it. And I think he has inspired a lot of people to want to write musicals and to use their own voice. Yeah. So what's interesting, though, is that you've got to use your voice. Yeah. That's his. Right. And don't be, you know, you've got to fail sometimes. That's how yeah. you learn. Yes. Don't yes. be afraid to leap. You've got to leap in order to fail, to have someone say, you know, good job in writing this musical. It's not very good. Yeah. And, well, and, and then, here's why. And here's how it can be better. Yes. And that's the thing. Is if you get rejected from something, don't get bitter about it. What's hard is when we don't get any explanation. That's right. hard. Right. Um, but, you know, if you can't.
can submit your musical to, and they will give you critiques. Right. But also, like, do it for your friends. Your friends are going to be honest with you. Yep. Yep. And also, there are community theaters all over this country who would love to do a new piece. Absolutely. And truthfully, colleges. Yeah. Colleges have been, I think colleges are helping us writers now more than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Because they have the, they have the, the money. Yep. They have the resources. And a lot of super talented actors. Absolutely. And producers don't want to, you know, I understand everything is expensive. It's expensive. Yeah. So a lot of producers will say, oh my God, I love your work. When it's going to Broadway, I will give you, I will invest in it. Right. Well, right. that's great, but how am I going to get there? Yeah. Right, right. If, if there's no one to help along the way. But as you mentioned earlier, there are um, things that you can submit for. You know, Music Theater Factory, we're doing a thing for that project with Ali Stroker at the Music Theater Factory next month. Just a 15-minute snippet of the show. But those little opportunities are super helpful. And then you meet people. And, you know, like in any business, who you know helps. It does. And then the other piece of advice I would give is... Just be nice. Be supportive yeah. and be nice. Be happy when your friends win things. Yeah. Be there for your friends yeah. when they lose things. Yeah. It's important. We're a community. It's nice. And this is, it's weird because I was a hockey player, but like, this isn't a competition. Yes, I totally agree. We're here to create things and yeah. make people feel things. Yeah. So if it's, you know, getting messed around with due to people being competitive, you're putting your energy in the wrong place. Yeah. So I could not agree Those would be my words of wisdom. <laughs> okay, so I was the last question, but I really have one more. Sure, and, yeah. And I ask this whenever I talk to musical theater people. I've asked okay. Bill Finn and all kinds of Michael Mayer, different people. Yep. I firmly believe that we are in another golden age of the musical theater. I, I, I think it started mid-late 90s. With mm-hmm. Bad Boy, You're in Town, Noise Funk, all that stuff. Yeah. So we are still right in the thick of it. You, you agree? I do agree. Yeah. I think it's also a golden age for plays. Yeah, that may be true too. Aside from musicals, but yeah. Um, yeah. I look at my colleagues, you know, because we get to do these great things at like Good Speed or yeah. Theater, and we get to hang out with other writers, and I'm always blown away by what people are writing. It's yeah. really, really. I think, pe- I think, truthfully, Netflix and Hulu have changed how people want to be entertained. I think people want to be challenged more. I think people want subject matter they're not used to. I think people. Boy, I hope that's true. I do think so, though. I really, I very strongly do, because and and maybe they can handle that better now too. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I mean, did you see Indecent? Indecent uh, it made no, me want. It made me like it. I still can't talk about it. That play messed with me, yeah. and I loved it. I yeah. loved being messed with. Instead yeah. of walking out going, oh, that was lovely. What a lovely two hours of theater. Oh, wasn't right. that lovely? Right. I don't want it to be lovely. <laughs> I want to be ruined. I want to be... Right. I have laughed so hard that my stomach hurts. I, you know, I think you're paying money for extreme. You go to a rock concert, right? You're paying a couple hundred dollars to see Lady Gaga do the most kick-ass show you've ever seen. <laughs> right. Isn't that what we want at the theater? Yes. We want a roller coaster ride. Yes. I mean, Hamilton, someone, it was as if someone kept punching me in the face the whole show. It just, <sighs> every moment, I was like, this is, oh my God, this is incredible. Oh my yes. God, this is, yes. he went yes. backwards and he's advancing the story. What? Like, I, it's just, 
And not just the writing, but the design and the stage all and of the choreography and all everything of it. about it. The bullet, like all of it. It just, yeah. it was so exciting. I hadn't had that feeling since I saw Went. Oh. Where yeah. I was just like, what is this? This is, this is so unique. Yes. Yeah, I remember seeing Rent uh, right after it moved to Broadway before the cast album came out, and yeah. it just blew my mind. I saw it off-Broadway. Oh, man. Yeah. And again, it was as if someone had punched me in the face repeatedly. Right. I was speechless. I love that. Yeah. That's yeah. why you should be paying a lot of money to have that, not yeah. to... I don't want to insult anything, but, you know... <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, there are more the and more... There, there are young people starting theater companies yes. literally all over this country yes. who are doing Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson and Next yep. to Normal. And, yep. I mean, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. It's funny. I had a show that was in London called The Concrete Jungle, and there's a, a recording of it. And I taught a master class the other night, and three of the students said, uh, you know, they were graduates now. They said, we came because we listened to your music. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Nice. They said, no, like, Concrete Jungle is one of our favorite things. And I was like, wait, what? That was in London. They're like, no, well, and I remember, like, being a college kid and listening to any musical theater album I could find. Yes. And now that everything's digital, I forget that people yep. Yep. in Switzerland, when I did a concert there, knew my music. It was right. weird. Right. You know? But I think that's also part of why musical theater is thriving right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. In Europe, they are begging for it. Yeah. Like, begging for things to, stories to tell yeah. with music. Yeah. And exciting stories to tell with music. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go. Right, but thank, so you, thank so you so much for doing it. This was really interesting to me. I realized that I had just never talked to somebody who's in the process of writing and working at it and jumping over the hurdles and all the other stuff. So yeah, it was really cool. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. it. And uh, much continued good luck with all the work ahead. Thank you. I will personally send you the press release when it's ready so I can see what's going on. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, thanks a lot, man. You're very welcome. Have a All right. One. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us. This is Scott Miller. Now you, too, have achieved stage rock. See you next time.